So we're in Luke here, chapter 5, starting at verse 27. Uh, This is Jesus calling Levi and eating with sinners. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. The word of the Lord. I tell you what, I had a different intro planned, but I'm going to tell you just real vaguely a little bit of my week. And here's the reason why. Um, As a pastor, of course, I believe in the spiritual world. I believe in that there's more going on than we see with our own eyes. But I'm not often, uh, and I know this about myself, I'm not often the kind of pastor that, will, that stands up front and talks about things like spiritual warfare and talks about things like that that are going on. But uh, I also read in a book once by someone much smarter than me that if you call your church to start living out Jesus' words, Jesus' commands, that you will face spiritual warfare. That, that as long as the church remains nice and neat and tidy and within their own walls, that, that generally this doesn't happen. That generally uh, the evil one of the world will kind of just let the church be its own little club. But we were in the middle of this sermon series on loving our neighbors. And the point of this whole series is what if, in Jesus' words, when he said that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, what if that actually meant that we are supposed to go out to those who live near us and actually love them. Not not just in the church, not just here, that's great, but what if, and I I think that's a fairly safe what if, what if Jesus meant what he said? So I've been kind of calling you to this over the last several weeks, and interestingly enough, as this author said, someone much smarter than me, uh, I feel like in this last week, and, and I'm not going to go into details because I don't think we need to share them, but I don't think Satan's happy about that. I don't think as we look at our community, I don't think as, as stuff that's come to me, as, as words that have come to me from uh, people outside of this congregation, you don't need to worry about it, but, but critique that has come to me uh, as a pastor, as a leader, I think it's from the voice of Satan. That has come, and I just want to say that, that as we do this whole series, as we do this whole time, this only happens when we are pushing back against the kingdom of evil. So th- this, is, this is actually, it's, it's hard, but it's actually a good thing. It's a good thing because it means we're being the church. So thank you all for being the church, but also I just encourage you all to, to be lifting up me and praying for me uh, as, as I preach these words, and that you would be praying for me through the week uh, ahead and through all this stuff uh, because, because it's real. And, and when you stand up front and you open the Bible and you call God's people to live out the words of Jesus, um, 
that doesn't go unnoticed. That doesn't go unnoticed in, in the kingdoms and in the, in the powers of the world, so to speak. So uh, please just be aware of that. I feel like it's a heavy introduction. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to start with like a hook and then they're supposed to like really latch on and understand what you're saying. This is just me kind of open myself up here. So please be lifting me up in prayer uh, as we do this whole series. But really, uh, quite often, I always appreciate it. My notes are shrinking here. I will need to hold this. Um, but yeah, so we're in this series. Uh, again, it's, it comes from the words in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment in all of the law? So Jesus is asked to, sem- to summarize uh, all of the law. What, what does it mean? What does it mean for us? And he says these words. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and all of the prophets, they hang on these two commandments. So notice, notice what's similar here. What's similar is love God with all your heart. Love God with all your soul and love God with all your mind. And, and then Jesus says these things, this is not just like part two. This is actually related. This is similar. This is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about creating a neighborhood chart. And I know you all weren't here, so I'm going to walk you through what it was. But it's simply this. We took a piece of paper, um, made kind of like a big tic-tac-toe board, so splitting it up into nine pieces. The very center one represents your house, represents where you live. So I encourage you all to write down your own, your own names, who lives in that house, what you, what you know about it. And the other ones are your eight closest neighbors to your house. See, often when we talk about loving our neighbors, we go through the Good Samaritan story, and rightfully so, when we realize that we need to love those who are in need, that they are all our neighbors. So in the center of this, of course, is your own house. And then I challenged you from your own memory, could you go around and write down the names of the eight closest people whose houses are right near yours, that, that actually are your closest neighbors? Um, so those that you could, I asked you to write down their names, write down stuff that you know about them, write down their dog's name. People love it when you remember their dog's name. Uh, write down their kids' names, write down their jobs, if they're full-time, if they're part-time, where they moved from, all of these things that you know, write, write them down. And if you can, then I would say that you're probably not strangers, that you're probably more like acquaintances at least. But the goal in Scripture, it doesn't say uh, become acquaintances with your neighbors, right? We're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. So there's a deeper call to there, a deeper call to, to real relationship, to real uh, Yeah, to real uh, caring for each other, genuine, uh, actually knowing each other, knowing each other's needs, being able to lift up each other. We have this wonderful, maybe some of you do too, we have this wonderful storage closet that is like under our house. So like many houses in Arnold, we live right here in town. We're on a hill, imagine that. Um, And under our back deck, there's a door, and it has all of this, this wonderful storage area that's kind of like what would collect in your garage. Um, and we moved in in November 
Uh, we rented for some time when we got here and then finally got ahead of the housing market, so we were happy. But we moved in November, and we, uh, it became a catch-all space. It became a catch-all. It has, has many, many fun things down there. It has kayaks. It has, has bikes. It has uh, some of my tennis equipment that uh, doesn't, doesn't meet the standard of being in my closet. It's like the other tennis equipment. Uh, it has Christmas tree boxes and, and my summer tires for my car and, and all this sorts of stuff. And every once in a while, I walk downstairs and I look into this closet, this, this big space, and I think I should really organize that. Maybe none of you have been there. But I think I should really organize this space. This might be worthy of my Saturday. And then I simply get overwhelmed. It needs new shelves. It needs other things. It's not simply as much as put this here, put that there. It needs to really all be taken out. It needs to be kind of rebuilt from the inside and redesigned. And I don't do it. The reason I bring this up is I think loving our neighbors as ourselves is kind of like this storage shed for a lot of us. You know, if we're honest, if we really think about it, it's kind of like, like we look at it and we think, yeah, that's a command from Jesus. Like, yes, I believe that. I should follow that. But, but we look at it and we're like, oh, that seems really overwhelming. Where do I even start? What, what does it even mean? What, what would it even look like? So I hope this uh, sermon hits you in kind of a practical way uh, that we can actually just kind of pull aside some of that and say, what could this look like if we were doing this? What could this look like if we were doing this as the church, if we were loving people? I mentioned all my tennis equipment. Those of you that uh, have gone to the church for a long time, maybe you heard me talk about tennis before. Uh, tennis, I would say, is a passion of mine. Uh, has been for a number of years. I started playing when I was in 10th grade uh, in high school and, and played some in college. And then where my last church was in Illinois, I coached at the high school. Uh, and I just, I just love tennis and I love teaching people tennis. But I always coached fresh, soft tennis. And so freshmen and sophomores. And what that means is that most of them have never played tennis at all in their life. And it's a wonderful sport that way, you know, because they couldn't just enter the football team having never done it. They, they would have probably very little success. But as a freshman, as a sophomore, they could just join tennis for the first time. So they would come to practice. And imagine this, I'm, I'm, they're, they're there for the first time. They don't know anything about tennis. They have they're, they're Walmart tennis rackets, and they got like the cellophane on them, and they still have the cellophane on them. Like they haven't even taken them out of the package yet. So I know they haven't been even out practicing. And, and we go forward, and it's how it always would work was in three weeks, they would have their first match. So they would go from cellophane on the outside of the racket to hopefully being able to at least know how to keep score and know how to do what they do without having to hold their hands. And the hardest part for all of them was serving. So in tennis, of course, you throw the ball high in the air, uh, serve down at the ball, and it's supposed to go into the service box, uh, which is a smaller part than the rest of the court. Uh, and it's not the easiest of things. And I, always, I, was, I was thinking about this, and, and I was thinking of what's something that I can relate this to? What's something that feels so unnatural at first? As unnatural, I will say, as loving your neighbors. What's something that feels so unnatural, but yet the more you do it, you kind of get that muscle memory. And the first thing I could think of is a tennis serve. 
So, so you turn sideways, you point your shoulder towards the other court, here's your, here's your tennis lesson for the morning, all right? You turn sideways, you point your shoulder where you want it to go, your shoulder's pointed over there, the ball's going to go over there. So point it where you want it to go, and you toss it up, and at the same time, you lift your racket behind your head, it's called a hatchet back, you put the hatchet behind your head, and then you reach up and you strike the ball down. Very, very basic. Go ahead and try it if you haven't. It feels incredibly awkward. You're going to... You're going to try it once, you're going to look at the other person you're with and be like, did I do that right? Like, this just feels so weird. My body doesn't move this way. Once you do it a lot, you'll start getting sore in places you didn't know you could be sore because uh, the amount that it uses your, your wrist and your forearm and, and all this stuff, it's just so weird. And loving our neighbors is the same way. Maybe you're all like prodigies at it. I don't know. But it is for me. It's one of those things where as I, as I learn to do it, it's like, oh, this just kind of feels weird. And I'm just supposed to knock on their door and, and say, hi, my name's John. I live two houses away and, and we just, I see you outside. I waved to you, but I just never knew your name. And I just wanted to say hi. Like, really? That sounds like the first time I've ever served a tennis ball. It just feels like that would be, oh gosh, that sounds terrible. But, but as you do it, as you get more used to it, as you, as you reach out to other people, it will feel natural. And you will find yourself doing that without even thinking about it. You'll be on a walk some evening and, and people will walk past and pretty soon you'll be in a, in a small conversation with them. And then you'll get done and you'll say, how did that even happen? I'm not the kind of person that talks to people as I walk around. I look down at my shoes and I continue on. But suddenly... Suddenly, it has become a natural part. And the reason is, I think one of the main reasons, is because God is taking pleasure in, in you doing this. That God will be providing you opportunities to do this. You don't have to do it alone. Even if you're the only one that is talking with them, you're not alone because the Holy Spirit will be with you. God will be walking with you. We are called to love these people. And if that is truly on our heart, if that's truly where we are, I, I think God will give us opportunities for that. If we just come before God and we say, God, in Scripture, you call us to love our neighbors. And, and as, I, as I sit here, I realize I don't know many of mine, but I desire to. God, I want to. Would you give me opportunities? That is something that God will delight in. That his children are saying, I want to follow you. I want to be with you. I want to know uh, I want to know these people more, not, not just because I'm a nice person, but because you call me to do it. So I think there's three stages. If, if we just kind of pull away all the pieces, there's three stages of really the relationships that we have with our neighbors. Really the relationships that we have with all people, but we're talking about our neighbors today. So the first one I would just call strangers. So, so step number one or, or stage number one is strangers. The next one I'll call acquaintances. And then the last one, um, you could say friends, you could say whatever. I'm just going to call them neighbors because we're called to love our neighbors. So, so if we, they got to that stage, we're going to call them neighbors. So we have strangers, we have acquaintances, and we have neighbors. And it's a little bit like that storage unit. It's a little bit like looking downstairs and, and saying, uh, I don't even know where to start. God. So here's, here's some steps. Here's some, some processes of moving forward. 
The first one, there are people who are strangers. Let me just describe these for you. Think about your own neighbors. Think if this fits any of them. They live near you, but you don't know their name. Maybe you did. That's okay. Maybe your spouse knows their name. That's good for your spouse, but it doesn't mean they're your neighbor. <laughs> I don't know if that, maybe that hits too home uh, to some of you. But, but you don't know their name, or maybe you kind of do, but when it comes down to it and you actually see them in the driveway, you don't know their name right then. You may even know a little bit about them. You might know what car they drive. You might know how quickly they clean up their pine needles. You might be able to keep track of that. You might know after a snowstorm how long does it take to the shovel their driveway. Uh, you might even know um, what time of day they think is acceptable to use a chainsaw. But you don't actually know them. You don't know their names. You don't really know. You might recognize them. You live on the same block. You wave, you know, whatever. But, but they still are strangers. That's the first group. The second one is the acquaintances. The acquaintances, these are people that you know their name. You can't really say that you know them well. You can't really say you have a genuine relationship with, with the acquaintances. You might know superficial things. You might know where they work. You might be able to fill out this chart that I described and put some things down. Um, you might know how many kids they have. They might have told you about grandkids. Uh, you might even know some hobbies. But you really don't, you haven't spent a lot of time with them. If, if somebody were to come up to you and say, hey, uh, you know, this neighbor next door to yours, how, what, how would you pray for them? You, you would kind of pray generically. You know, you, you wouldn't know their needs enough. You wouldn't know their life situation. You wouldn't know what's going on enough to really even lift them up. And the third one, which is the goal, is to have uh, this genuine relationship to being a true neighbor, to actually loving them. It's a friendship that has been formed over time. You've spent some time together. You've heard each other's stories. You can help carry each other's burdens, and you love them in tangible ways. You may even bring their garbage for them to the transfer station. What, what an amazing thing. Uh, we all need neighbors like that. And, and you know their practical needs. You know how you can come alongside them, or at least how you could pray for them and what's going on in their life. So the big question, the big question becomes, how do people move, or how can we help relationships move from one of these stages to another stage? And I have a couple suggestions. And this comes from... Uh, I'll, I'll get there later, but it comes from the scripture reading that I read. What did Levi do when he became a believer? The first thing he did, he threw a huge party, a huge banquet. He invited all of his friends. He invited everyone that he wanted to know Jesus. And, and, he, and he brought Jesus there and he said, these are my people. Jesus, I know, I know you now. I'm following you now, but, but these are the people I love. These, these were his neighbors. His heart broke because he knew Jesus, but they didn't. So, so he threw a party. And at the party, he invited Jesus there. And he invited them to know him and, and to connect. And, and Jesus, of course, went because it was part of his heart. And as we continue reading in that passage, the, the Pharisees and the other teachers of the people, they rejected Jesus for doing this. And, and you 
better believe it that Jesus knew that was going to happen. He was not afraid of their judgment. He wanted to go and love these people that Levi loved. And, and this is the same call for us. So, so how do we go from strangers, the first step, to at least acquaintances? Sometimes I think this can be the hardest one. I don't know what neighbors you have, but I know with neighbors that I have, neighbors I've had in other towns, that, that sometimes just knowing them at all, you can live by people for a long time and, and not truly even call them an acquaintance yet. So what does it mean? And I would say it starts with this chart. It starts with the information there, and not just getting it written down, but actually knowing it. It starts with knowing their name and remembering their name, calling them by name, saying, hi, Jennifer, how are you today? Knowing their kids' names, knowing uh, what jobs they had or what jobs they currently have, if they're full-time or part-time, what their, what their normal schedule kind of looks like, where they move from, what, what is their life like, just, just getting some of this basic information and not just getting it on a piece of paper, but the point of the piece of paper is that it's supposed to be somewhere uh, that you see, somewhere that's obvious. The front of your fridge is probably a great place because you're supposed to study that piece of paper. When you look outside and you see that neighbor and, and they're raking and you think, eh, I don't remember the name, you're supposed to be able to reference it. You look at the paper, you remind yourself who it is. So once you have all that down, once you know them and you're interacting with them, uh, they've kind of moved into this next step. But I think the harder step, and this is not going to be an easy ask that I'm asking of all of you, is, is to help move people from acquaintance to truly being a neighbor. And that only happens with time. That only happens with, with actual conversations that you've had back and forth. Probably not with both of you standing in each of your driveways talking, uh, you know, from afar. This, this is probably actually means somebody coming to your house or, or you meeting each other on the street as you walk. So here's my charge to you all. Here's, here's how I think this could work. What if sometime this summer we know that people will want to get out of their houses, right? We know that that we've all kind of had enough of being cooped up and, and we feel safer and we're able to kind of get out some. What if you and maybe a like-minded neighbor, what if you hosted a block party in your own driveway? Pause to let the shock set in. I don't know about that, Pastor. Have you met my neighbors? <laughs> Have you seen these people? Just just invite them into your driveway. I have, I have a neighbor in mind already. Uh, she lives right next door to our house. I don't see her here, so I will talk about her. Although it's on, it's live stream too, so who knows. But she lives right next door to our house, and, and she's wonderful, and she has a heart for the people in our area. And, and Susan and I, we're going to plan a block party. It's going to be right in our driveway. I'm going to bring my grill from the backyard to the front yard. We're going to make some food. Uh, set up some tables, just invite people. We live on like a half loop kind of circle thing. So I'm probably inviting more than eight. I'm going to invite like the loop to, to come. And it would be foolish of me to not talk to my neighbor who knows so many people before this. Like we're going to plan it with her. She, she's going to be a part of this. And actually we're going to get to know her better by doing this alongside her. 
Uh, I know that she's easily someone who has no problem with a flyer walking up to a neighbor's house and being like, hey, come to our party. <laughs> you know, she's just that kind of personality. So this will be, uh, this will be easy in that way. But, but think of those people. Think of who has God put around you. Do you know uh, even maybe just that much about people? Who can you partner with? Who can you bring alongside? Go ahead, blame me. Blame the church. Say, my church, they want me to get together with my neighbors. <laughs> and, and, and I just thought maybe you and I could do this together. And then here's the trick. So it feels, it feels uh, discouraging if you do such a thing and then no one shows up, right? That would feel pretty bad. I think we all agree. But that neighbor, that other neighbor is at least going to show up because they help plan it, right? This is, this is getting good here. So they help plan it. They're going to show up. You get one other person from your block. You have three households together. That's a huge success. When's the last time in your neighborhood three households got together and actually got to know each other better? So now not only are you learning them, you're knowing them, you're building a relationship with them, you're, you're doing all of these things, you're actually getting to know these people, and they're getting to know each other too. Without them even necessarily realizing that this is a sermon series at the church that you're going to, now all of a sudden you have neighbors that are loving neighbors, that are loving neighbors, that are loving neighbors. And I truly believe that you have Jesus who is celebrating this, who is loving it because he says, love your neighbors as yourselves. And, and now his people are listening to his words and they're reaching out to the people around them and they're saying, yes, Lord, I want to live like that. I, I want to be that kind of person in my community. I want to be that kind of person in my town. This is, this is the reason why in a few weeks, uh, those of you who want to join, we're going to meet at White Pines and we're going to clean up trash. Why? Because we love this place. And not only do we love it, God called us to love it too. And, and there's going to be people in that next week that come to that park. And if we're not there, they're going to come to a, a park with trash. And that's sad. And as a church, we can make a difference. So, so let's go and let's clean it. And then when the next people come, they'll show up and they'll say, oh, this place is beautiful. And, and they might even see signs that say, this is all taken care of by volunteers. And they'll say, wow, these volunteers are great. But, but the reason is because we love others. The reason is because we want to be those kind of people that we're called to be these kind of people. So again, the first thing Levi did when called to follow Jesus was he got together all of these people that were around him. And I'm going to end with this. And and I was thinking about this this week, and I thought, you know, back when I first became a believer, I, I grew up in the church, but I would say it really became real to me, uh, probably about 10th grade, 11th grade in high school. Um, and my heart would break for the people around me that didn't know Jesus. Do you all remember this? Do you remember when this was new? When, when this was something that was, that was fresh in your life and you looked at your friends and you looked at these people that you loved and you knew that they didn't know who Jesus was? When's the last time that you cried for them? This isn't a generic question. When's the last time that you thought about people who, who didn't know Jesus' love, that didn't feel a connection with him that, that, that weren't saved? When's the last time you laid in bed at night 
and you thought about them and you actually had tears run down your face. Quite frankly, somewhere along the lines, I think most of us have kind of become calloused. We've become callous to the reality of, of what is going on. I remember as a 10th grader, laying in bed and, and, and weeping because I had friends that didn't know Jesus. So this isn't just nice sermon, Pastor. This isn't one of those that is just like, uh, yeah, let's take it or leave it. You know, it's just like, yeah, he called us to love our neighbors. That's great. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go on and I'm, I'm just going to live my life like I have been. Uh, this is real. This is, this is real stuff. And, and we need to be looking at them with the kind of heart that breaks. And, and we're not loving them. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying love your neighbors to manipulate them into starting to come to church. Or, or love your neighbors to manipulate them into, into uh, you know, instantly want to talk about Jesus with them or, or, or be that person. Because that just, sometimes that doesn't feel like love. I'm not, I'm not saying love with these other motives. You know, if that's truly who you are, if that's really part of your, your story and, and they tell you their story and you tell them yours, you yeah, bring up Jesus. You know, go ahead. I mean, don't shy away. But I'm not saying love them because... This is some church growth model. I'm saying love them because Jesus calls us to love them. I hope that, I hope that comes across in this because, because the motive is everything. The motive is everything. If you look at them and, and you think, maybe they're my ticket. Maybe they're my ticket and then I can bring them in and then I can feel really good that I brought someone to church. Well, yeah, invite them. You know, go ahead. I mean, if that's what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, please listen. But, but don't be loving people so that you can check something off a box somewhere that says, yep, I love people today, check. Uh, I did this today, check. You don't need to be checking boxes. You're, you're forgiven by Jesus. You're loved deeply, deeply by him. Don't, don't try to earn this. But because of this, uh, let's, let's love our neighbors together. Amen.